What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here, bringing you another Data Protection Gumbo episode for you. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with David Bolin, Product Marketing Director at Wasabi Technologies, and also Randy Hopkins, VP Global Systems Engineering at Comprise. And David is the Director of Product Marketing at Wasabi, and he has served in various sales, marketing, and product management roles at companies such as NetApp, Juniper Networks, Lucent Technologies, and Cabletron Systems. He, his wife, and three sons live in the Boston area. And Randy is a Pacific Northwest ski and snowboard bum who has helped start up a few small companies like Data Domain, Nimble Storage, Pure Storage, and Now Comprise. And we all know he'd rather be on the ski runs at Mount Hood near his home in Portland than doing anything technical with a keyboard. So Gumbo listeners, David and Randy provide details on how to cut your backup and recovery costs, whether on-premises or in the cloud, and most importantly, how they are taking on the behemoth AWS. So let's get right into this episode. So Randy, why don't you give us a quick rundown of who you are and also um, what Comprise is all about. Perfect. Yes. Um, my name is Randy Hopkins. I am the Vice President of Systems Engineering and Enablement at Comprise. And what Comprise is all about is uh, we believe that uh, unstructured data should have a voice. What we've built is a platform to address the massive amount of data sprawl that customers are um, having challenges with while giving them the ability to access that data and move that data to different locations transparently and and give them an alternative to just putting it on tape or manually um, archiving the data. And we built a a solution that enables them to bridge that cold data into the cloud, into cloud platforms, um, and be able to access it natively in its native format as well. All right. Thank you for that that introduction. Uh, David, what about you? How are you, sir? Hey, Demetrius. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Hey, Randy. Good to talk to you again. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Wasabi. We are a cloud storage company, cloud object storage. We, uh, we have six data centers worldwide, four in the U.S. now, two on the East Coast, one in Dallas, one in Oregon, data center in Tokyo, and one in Amsterdam. It's cloud object storage, Demetrius. Yeah. It's uh, straight up uh, cloud object storage for structured data. We compete directly with AWS S3, Azure, Azure Blob. And um, and Google uh, Google Object Storage. We've been around. I said uh, the last uh, five years, six years. Founded in 2015, and we've got about 21,000 customers right now worldwide. Wow, 21,000 customers. That's a pretty substantial number of customers. So, congratulations. In a short period of time, yeah. Thanks. In a short period of time, that's 21,000 paying customers. To any given time, we got about 5,000 customers that are running free trials, and then uh, somewhere along the lines, they're converting those to uh, to a paid account. So. Yeah, it's growing every day. Okay. Well, I appreciate you both uh, giving a little bit of background about yourself and also the companies that that you are with. Let's start with you, Randy, um, and Comprise. So I guess the first question I would have for you, and, you know, we're not going to go super deep on on the technology, but 
what would you say is the number one reason that customers will, you know, even bite on uh, buying Comprise? That's a good question. The number one reason is probably um, economics. Um, we can, economics is number one. We are we enable them to spend about fifty percent um, or reduce their spend by about fifty percent, while actually improving and simplifying their operation. Um, we do that with uh, integration integrating into uh, the cloud platforms um, with, with Wasabi, for example. Okay, fantastic. I appreciate that. And David, same question for you. Yeah, you know, it's going to come down to cost again, Demetrius. Um, what we have is uh, just a fantastic cloud object storage solution that's 80% less expensive than AWS S3 and uh, sometimes 50 to 80% less expensive than on-prem storage. So if you have um, archive data, maybe it's cold data, something you haven't touched in a while and it's sitting on a, a NetApp, all flash fast, you know, at 45 to 60 bucks a terabyte, it makes sense to maybe move that off of move it off of the pure Isilon or NetApp box into an object storage uh, backend and uh, just uh, keep that that on-prem storage for something uh, hot, hot data, something uh, more premium, and um, put it in a place where you can you know save some money. That's what Wasabi comes in. And that's where our, our partnership with Comprise is, is important because the two of us help customers save a lot of money moving that, that cold data off of primary and secondary storage. Okay, so so both companies are, are partners, right? So Wasabi and Comprise, you two work together. You, you know, what is that relationship like? And I guess what's what's the sweet spot by combining both of your products together? Oh, sure, absolutely. So yeah, um, uh, I love Comprise because Comprise has a fantastic intelligent data management software solution that customers use to identify their uh, their store their data that sits on their storage identify what's old, what hasn't been touched in a while, and what can be moved to a, a lower cost tier. And it, it helps customers free up space uh, on their on-prem storage, actually in the cloud as well too, um, and saves them a lot of money just by archiving uh, that data to a lower cost tier like Wasabi. The beautiful thing about Comprise is it moves the data in its native file format. It's not proprietary. So when, you, when Comprise identifies older uh, data that hasn't been touched in a while, it'll move that in native file format to uh, cloud storage like Wasabi. It makes a lot, life a lot easier for the customer. And then from our perspective, right, we're cloud storage. We need to have that, that transaction software in front of us. I don't If it's a Veeam or Rubrik or Commvault, or in this case, Comprise, they're looking to put that data someplace on a, on a storage tier. And uh, we work with, uh, with them. It's important for us to have a partnership with the Veeam, Rubrik, Commvault, and Comprises of the world because uh, it it adds to, it builds a beautiful solution, you know, a full end-to-end solution. Yeah, without, without um, Wasabi, we, we're, not, um, we're not able to demonstrate cost savings to the customer, for example. So what we see is um, unstructured data in data centers is doubling about every two and a half years. And that's because people are, uh, more applications are creating more data. Um, the files are getting larger. And those customers and, and end users want to keep the data longer because the data might have value even when it's cold for like an analytics in the future. So what Comprise helps them do is understand what they've got sitting on their storage with analysis and be able to identify the data that, that's, um, uh, that, that's more, most appropriate to tear off that cold data, for example. And what we see across our ecosystem is about 76% of all data hasn't had a single read or a single write 
in more than one year. So what we we built is a platform that can um, move smart, move that data smartly. And so to take that data, move it over to uh, Object Store in Wasabi, and the end user still access it in its native format, but it's being stored on Wasabi. And what we're able, we're able to see is that the cost of storing it on Wasabi versus on-prem um, uh, NAS solutions is about 10x less expensive, for example. So the customers do not have to change their applications or the way they do business. Um, they, they've just built a, a cloud strategy or an object store strategy uh, with, with comprising Wasabi and saved 50% of their spend. Okay, and, and you, you also mentioned to move the data smartly. So is, is that some type of automation that does it for you in the background. You set up a policy maybe and say, hey, if this data hasn't been, you know, read or touched in, let's say, three weeks, then automatically move it over to the next tier of storage. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. Think about your smoke detector. Um, okay. every, you have to remind yourself every six months to go check the smoke detector battery. And, or you get that sound, right? Yeah. That that yeah. annoying beeping yeah. sound. Yeah. And, and, and if, the smoke, if the battery is lower than 20%, it's going to beep or you've got to go test it. And then you've got to go find the battery, put it in there and replace it, and then remind yourself to do it next time. Well, um, with Comprise, you just say, hey, any data that maybe belongs to this particular file system, that might be log files or trace files or x-ray files or student data or whatever, from now on, from now on, any time, any data in that that location is more than perhaps one year old, hasn't been touched in one year at all, um, just grab it and move it over. And and you just set it once and forget it. We call that a, uh, a declarative programming paradigm. Uh, it's once you set it once, it's like telling your smoke detector, hey, from now on, whenever your battery reaches 20%, change the battery yourself. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it anymore. And I guess this this is sort of a toss up question as well, uh, you know, for whichever one you want to to jump in and, and, and answer this question. So just overall, I guess, you know, how do you view the the current storage market in 2021 and, and maybe even beyond that um, over into 22 as well? You know, what, what are some of the approaches that companies can take to, you know, embrace, you know, your view of where you see things headed from a storage perspective? Oh, that's a good question. All right. Um, Randy, I'm going to take the first shot at that. So, um, you know, I'm not great at predicting things or I would spend more time with the casinos. <laughs> pages. Um, so but I'm going to give you my point of view on what I saw happening last year when I saw what I see happening this year. The um, So the 2020 dumpster fire every year, it's pretty crazy for everybody. Um, but what we saw from a storage perspective was there's an increased demand in what we call a, a hybrid cloud architecture where you keep. Uh, your, your your data center open and your your primary storage on that site, but then you move like we talked about earlier, you some some data to the cloud in a hybrid cloud solution. It makes a lot of sense for people from a from an operational you know operational ease of use perspective and from a cost perspective because a lot of people can't get into the data centers like they used to. Yeah, um, between COVIDs and fires and riots and protests and and um, earthquakes and hurricanes. You can't do it. You know, you just can't do it like you used to. Yeah. Especially if you're a, a contractor or a consultant or an MSP and you're working for somebody and can't get into their data center. So, we see an increased demand in the use of cloud. Um, but but it's still critically important to have that on-prem solution. Um, if you look at where uh, I guess I guess it's fair to say that, that your NetApps, IBM, Satachis, and um, EMCs, you know that they're 
year over year growth is you know down a few percentage points. Every year it goes down a few 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 percentage points. Um, and but uh, the the growth of your Amazon, your Google, um, AWS, AWS, Google, GCP, and then Wasabi is growing. So uh, the, there's a, a growth in data, but where people are putting it is just different. And okay. um, people, people are, are balancing, you know, making a balancing act between keeping one foot on prem and one foot in the cloud. All right. And what are you seeing, Randy? Yeah, what we're seeing is there is decades of data growth and data sprawl. Um, customers have a lot of NAS storage on-prem, and it's, like I said, it's doubling every couple of years, and they're reaching capacity. They can't, they can't continue spending the money to store that. It's just becoming unbearable. But they still want, going forward, they still want access to the data. They still want it. Um, but what they, wanted, what they want to do is they want to move it. But they want to have they want to move it to a more cost effective, easier to manage environment. But they want to make sure they have access to it still. Um, so that requires things like serverless archiving and no symbolic links and things like that, and index and have the data that's being that's indexed so they can search for it and and build data lakes with it. So they they don't know the true value of the data, but they don't want to destroy it and they don't want to keep spending money on it. So what we're seeing is there ha- that's an old problem. And I think they're looking for uh, fresh ideas um, to, to solve that problem. And there hasn't been any in a long, long, long time. Um, if you think about the, the, par- the in the past, there were some fresh ideas for like data domain came out with dedupe to, to replace tape. VMware VMware came out with you don't need 20 servers in your data center. You need two. Um, you know, Pure Storage said, you know, you, have, you know, there's a lot of different companies in the past that has come up with a new solution to solve old problems. And that that's what um, Comprise and Wasabi have, have done. We're, we're able to help solve those old problems with a, a fresh new idea and give them and maintain access to their data, um, maintain analytics, be able to take control of it um, and, and lower their costs at the same time. So that's what we see going forward. OK, great. And. I, I noticed both of you came right out of the gate talking about cost, you know, and everyone working from home, et cetera. So saving money and cutting costs and trying to figure out whether or not, hey, should I even be backing up some of this data? Because if you look at it, some of the data that companies uh, are backing up is not even critical data. So they've done, they've started to look internally, you know, what are we backing up? Is it um, something that's critical. Can we not back it up so we can save cost and money? So what have you seen from a cost cutting perspective? And I guess maybe a story or two of some of your customers, how they end up saving money with your solutions. What we've seen, here's, here's, here's an example. Um, a lot, lot of the customers we have are being told they have to do more with either the same amount of money they had last year or less. Right? Uh, so you're Data is growing 20 to 50% year over year. Unstructured data is growing, right? But you have to do, you have to store more and do more with that data with either the same or less amount of, of, of funding that you had previously. So you have to, you have to trim costs someplace. Um, I, you know, one of our customers, a large, you know, D1 university, uh, their IT staff was half of them were let go and the other half had to reapply for their own jobs. And uh, they were told that they are going to have work off the same budget as they had to past. And so, you know, that puts everybody in a jam. You have to do more 
with less funding and fewer people. So you want to automate that as much as possible. You don't want, you know, honestly, if you're a storage admin these days, um, it, it's you maybe have about 10 years of life expectancy in that job if you're a full-time storage admin. I'm not talking about, you know, if you're a big Fortune 500 company or, or U.S. government or international government, um, you know, you probably have the need for a storage admin. But if you got a storage admin title, it's time to start changing that to something else. It's more of a cloud architect. And, yeah, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, too, some of the, the most uh, impressive and most successful cloud architects I've, I've ever met come out of, a storage admin background. Actually, probably the number one background for the storage architects that I've worked with and the ones that do well. You know why? Because the, the number two largest spend in the cloud, the largest number two largest is storage. Right? Number one is, is easy, it's SaaS, right? So that's counting O365 and, and Salesforce and SAP and stuff. It's, it's SaaS services. But number two, by a large margin, is storage. So if you're interested in in moving to the cloud, you know, your storage admin is going to be the guy that gets you there. So if I'm a storage admin, I'm thinking about how I can, how I can, you know, get my, my cloud bona fides. Anyhow, uh, so the people have to do a lot more with a lot less. And from a storage perspective, you can save a lot of money by not having to, you know, purchase new equipment or deferring equipment purchases. That's why freeing up that space on existing on-prem uh, high, you know, high performance storage, makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. You, know, you don't want that, as, as Randy said, data that's a, a year old sitting on an all-flash FAS or an Isilon consuming capacity when you know, you're hitting the 80% capacity mark on those things. And someone's, someone's saying, you know, we, don't, we need to buy another array or we need to start deleting stuff. There's definitely a fear of deletion out there. Nobody wants to delete anything. So therefore, you know, move that older stuff to a lower performance or lower cost tier, like a cloud tier like Wasabi. And, and from a, a cost and a pricing perspective, we're, you know, Wasabi, as, as I mentioned earlier, we compete with the S3s, um, the Blob and, and Google the object storages of the world. And we, we, we can beat them, you know, on, on price absolutely 100% every time. Um, but also a big difference is a lot of those, those costs, a lot of those clouds have hidden costs. So your egress charges to get your data back if you need, you know, you have you have a drive go out or your power supply flames out and you got to pull back your latest backup, it's going to cost you money to pull them out of those those big clouds because of egress charges. And there's a data retrieval fees. And then you have the micro fees for each put, get, and inventory API request you make. And then no one can predict what the costs are going to be. So if you've been charged with keeping the costs low or keeping them even lower, but you can't predict what your cost of storage is going to be in the cloud, then you have a lot of sleepless nights ahead of you. So uh, we just help customers sleep better at night knowing that uh, there's not going to be any secret or hidden charges on their bills and that um, and, and that they can predict exactly what their costs are going to be so they can go to the business office or they can go to their boss and say, listen, this our cloud spend for the year is going to be this amount, X amount for the 100 terabytes that we need for the next 12 months and walk away confident that they know they're not going to get uh, surprise bills. Yeah, so so you're talking David and Goliath basically. So you 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 guys uh, have that slingshot to take down the the big behemoth, right? <laughs> I hope so. That, that story went well for David and his team, um, but uh, I don't, you know, uh, so it was all right. Uh, you know, the difference is really um, Dave got a head start in being in the market. I, I, you know, AWS came out in 2006. They had a seven year run without any competition. And um, we came out in 2015 with our, we, we founded in 2015, the, 
the service rolled out in mid-2017, so it took us a couple of years, but uh, we just have different architecture. And if you were going to build uh, cloud today, you wouldn't build it like it was like it was built back in 2006. You'd build it like it was <laughs> with the technology that's available today. And there's a big difference architecturally between the two of them. That's why we can do things less expensively and don't need to charge. Remember back in 2006, what you had for a dial-up connection from home? Did you have a DSL connection? I know I did. That yeah, was- I don't want to think about it. It was net zero or something like that. Yeah, so, a pricing architecture built on uh, network connectivity that is, you know, is thin, you know, and hell, that was even before the times of the iPhone, right? So architectures change over, you know, over decades, and we just, you know, have the latest one right now. Okay. Now, Randy, what's your perspective there? I I know you probably will come at it from a different angle, so I'm I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. You, You both had mentioned uh, cost optimization and customers saving money, you know, by utilizing your products or whatever. I just wanted to see if there was anything else that drove customers, uh, I guess, to your products or what, what you're seeing out there in the market from a cost, cost utilization, cost optimization, cost cutting perspective, and maybe some advice around, you know, what customers can do. Sure. Uh, to kind of decrease their cost? Yeah, some of the, the top questions we get and the problems we solve are, you know, one is, can you can you help me build a cloud strategy? Can you tell me about my data? Um, but the one we get often also is, can you help me with my backup pressures? And the backup pressures can be um, cost-related um, because as their capacity <clears throat> is growing by 30 or 40% a year, um, if they're paying license costs for that data on their primary NAS solutions, um, their backup costs are going to go up because their, their backup license costs are going to go up every single year because their, their data is growing. Um, and the backup hardware is going to be growing as well. And if they're replicating their backup hardware to another site, they double that spend. So a lot of times we do we do get called in some, and the problem they're having is, um, hey, we we don't know. We can't control this anymore. Our costs are going up so fast. Can you help us fix the backup pressures? Our backups aren't even finishing in time now. So uh, yeah, for you know, we we we've got a lot of case studies um, where we demonstrate that we can come in and do a an analytics about the data, show them what amount of data is cold. And one of our examples is a, a customer that we have that 60% of their data was cold and they had about five petabytes of data. So if you can take that 60 or 70% of that data that's cold and move it to a, a storage platform that's built for capacity, capacity storage, Wasabi being that exact platform, um, and move that 70% over to Wasabi, for example, you can now reduce the spend of your backup licenses by 75%. And and you and you and so there's there's an immediate cost savings. And now your backup jobs are going to be finishing faster as well. So what mathematically what we're seeing is if a customer has a petabyte of data, um, we're seeing on average 75, 76% of the data being cold, but often it's 60%. And and they are saving about five hundred thousand dollars per year every year on, on that one petabyte of data by by lowering their backup hardware costs by lowering their backup software licensing costs and moving it from a tier one NAS platform over to a capacity designed platform and I would say I would say Wasabi is a capacity designed platform um, 
and and that's and that's what we're doing with our customers. And we've got you know PacBio has done that, Pfizer has done that, Chevron, Raytheon, NASA. I mean, we've got a, we've got gobs and gobs of customers that that we have helped them do that. And um, and when they do that, when they move that data over. It is completely transparent to the application. So that's key to our customers as well. They don't want to change the way they do business. They just want a more efficient way of handling their data. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're seeing. Hey, let me jump in here real quick. I, um, I, want, to, I want to touch on a note that, that Randy mentioned too. Um, the, uh, one of the cool things I like about Comprise, and uh, we haven't talked about this yet, is it's for a multi-vendor storage environment. It doesn't matter if you've got IBM, Hitachi, Fujitsu, NetApp, EMC, Cumulo, anything on-prem. It's a multi-vendor s- solution. So if you've got, you know, working in a data center environment and you've got a multi-vendor environment and you want to move uh, your cold data to a lower tier platform, a less expensive tier, Comprise is perfect because it touches you know, a multi-vendor environment. A lot of these guys, like NetApp, they have you know a feature in their ONTAP uh, operating system called Fabric Pool. Fabric Pool does kind of the same thing. It moves snapshots and cold data to the cloud, but it moves only ONTAP, right? It moves only NetApp. The same thing with Isilon and their One OS, right? They've got a cloud pool feature that only moves NetApp. I mean, only moves uh, EMC. So, uh, but if you've got a multi-vendor environment and you've got a lot of data to move, you know, something like a, a Comprise is perfect for that. So is, is, is that like an API call or something on the back end? I don't want to go too deep, but I'm just curious. Um, we are we are leveraging. Oh, there's no software on the servers, no software on the clients, no software on the storage. So we we've invented a fresh way of doing it, um, and the way we do it is we're leveraging the uh, Unix and Windows um, constructs to just mount and look at the data. That's what we're doing. Yeah, and we're leaving and then we're leaving symbolic links behind. So there's no stub files or anything like that. Okay. Did did you say agent? No. There's no agent. No agent. No agent. Okay. No, no. You and I, you guys have been around long enough to know the 7600 baud modem, so you know what archiving is with stub files and things like that, right? H- HSM. <laughs> exactly. So not, those those never really took off, you know, in, in scale because they required software on the clients, software on the servers, and uh, and they were bottlenecks, and they were control points, and they were proprietary. Um, you know, Comprise came out with a fresh idea to not have any of that in the uh, in the data center so yeah we're we're a hybrid SaaS model as, gotcha. as a matter of fact and i i guess can can you say the entire word of hsm fast three times <laughs> management. yes 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 uh that word used to trip me up often so i i appreciate it gentlemen let's Let's roll into maybe one or two more questions here. So, David, I know you you spoke a little bit about storage administrators and how the expertise that they have uh, is a great skill set to have to move into one of these cloudy roles and maybe gain a a new position uh, with one of the public clouds. You know, because that's that's really hot right now. What what advice or training or certifications or you know what what would you give? to uh, advice what you give to a storage administrator, backup administrator, cl- cloud architect, I guess anyone out there right now, maybe out of a job due to COVID, um, what, what type of advice would you give them right now? You know, the, uh, the, the folks I talk to the most are, 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 well, I'll call them T-shaped engineers, right? So if you think mm-hmm. of the T, it's long and broad, and then it goes deep in one area, right? And so okay. you could be a generalist, but have some you know, have a deep knowledge someplace. You know, I, I came out of the networking world and, and the storage world, and uh, now I'm in the cloud world. And, 
it, it's important to have a broad range, but you can go deep. And I think if you're going to go deep, you know, go deep on storage and apply that to cloud. Honestly, you shouldn't have to go to you know, a cloud school for three months to get a certification that says that now you've got, you know, um, you know now you fully understand cloud. Cloud should be super simple. It it should be to get should get to the point where it is almost a utility like you plug your servers in and you walk away from them. Things have gotten a hell of a lot better than they used to be. You know, now there's some fantastic graphical user interfaces when you're going to go for provision. You know, a lot of on-prem storage, but you know what? You don't really need to have all that. You, um, it, cloud should be super simple. What I would do if I'm a storage guy, um, I would just figure out you know. What are the ways to map my my NAS to object storage? Or what's, you know, what what how do I you know how do I move stuff from on prem to the cloud and not have to go deep into a, a bunch of different trainings and certifications? It's uh, and and like I said earlier, these guys that I know that have been uh, successfully transitioned from being a storage admin to uh, uh, cloud architects, they, what they 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 lead the pack when it comes to uh, to driving. Uh, cloud directions for their companies because that's the first thing that goes to the cloud is really storage and if you understand storage and you understand how it runs on 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 prem if you understand backup and how it runs on prem or archive or any other of the any other use cases then you're going to have an advantage when it comes to um you know building a resume and there's a and you know and cloud storage is a hell of a lot different today than it was 10 years ago the uh Oh, geez. You know, if you think about the very first early use cases, they were Dropbox use cases, realistically. I mean, cloud was, you know, AWS rolled out with their cloud service as a really, really, the was really more of a Dropbox service than anything else. But there was nobody doing backup to the cloud. There was no one doing archiving to the cloud at that time. Um, Commvault was out, you know, they were alive, you know, when AWS came out. But someone like Rubrik and... Um, and and Veeam, they, they came out post AWS, and their backups weren't, you know, AWS wasn't designed for, for doing backup. It wasn't really designed for doing archive either, especially archive if you want your data back at any given time. But new use cases we see, uh, I, you know, IoT, AI, machine learning, data lakes. Um, we see a lot of surveillance video being moved to the cloud. Um, the, you know, the older cloud architectures weren't designed for those. Those are modern day use cases and they, they need a different type of architecture for them to be inexpensive and easy to use. So look at the use cases and then try to figure out, you know, uh, how to apply your storage knowledge to uh, to the cloud. The only way to really get a get a get a position now is to have some type of updated skill set, whether it's cloud or whether it's data scientist or AI, ML, whatever the case may be. Um, just curious on, you know, what, what your perspective and what your view is around, you know, giving them advice on what they should what, what they should do. Before Randy jumps in here, I just want to point out a, a couple of the job listings I've seen recently are related to uh, guys who have LTO knowledge but can do a tape to cloud solution. So the, <laughs> a couple of firms I've seen are looking for people who know how to do a tape to cloud migration. If you've got background and you know, don't don't think that you're an antique because uh if you can tell uh if you can tell any large corporation how to migrate their tape to the cloud mm-hmm. uh you 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 said a good job of getting hired because uh that's a subject matter expertise that they need right now interesting yeah yeah a lot of folks with the with lto9 coming out and a lot of folks making the decision to i either got to move or migrate uh, my my sevens to nine or you know maybe I just go right to the cloud with it. And so I see a lot of people making that cloud decision 
because uh, the timing is right with uh, the new generation LTO coming out? Well, we're, we're seeing a lot more intelligent buyer out in the world. Um, they're making decisions a little differently than they used to just 10 years ago or five years ago even. Um, and the decisions that made made in the in infrastructure four or five or 10 years ago was, you know, refresh your storage, buy more hardware and things like that. And now folks are looking at more of a, um, a, a, of a, of a SaaS model, uh, a OpEx versus CapEx model. And so we're moving more into a, a different way of making decisions. And, and companies want to you know, try to get off of their own ecosystem, move it into uh, into different, more intelligent systems as well. Um, so, but we're going to continue seeing a lot of data growth. There will be unstructured data forever. So, I, I think the the objective here, if you want to, if you want to work, at, move into the application environment, uh, look at some of the the key SaaS um, vendors and what they're doing, and and it comprises one of those, for example. And and there's a and uh, I would I would. Focus a lot more attention on object storage. Um, look at what's happening with, um, with what customers are doing with their Windows and Unix data on-prem and how they're planning on getting it in, into the cloud as well. And um, we do have, um, for, for channel partners who want to learn more about us, we do have a certification program um, as well. And that covers you know, what, what the use cases are, why we built our platform. It's not just how to operate it, but why we built it, what, what, what problems we solve. And I would say, you know, take a look at um, what, what other companies have that, 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 you, that you see out there, what kind of programs they have to educate and just figure out what makes sense and what's comfortable for whether you want to be an infrastructure or application, but certainly keep your eye on, on the cloud um, and, and uh, object store for sure. Definitely, definitely. So we, we are almost out of time. And, you know, I've really enjoyed having both of you gentlemen on the show and uh, just rolling into the, the closing gumbo question. And it's uh, kind of a toss up. Uh, you, you're not quite sure, you know, what you're going to get. I just think think of these questions just kind of out of the blue. But I'm going to take it easy on, on the both of you right now. Um, um, I'll, the only thing I'm going to ask is, you know, what what is your your technology prediction? If you if you looked into your crystal ball for the year of, let's say, the end of 2021, rolling into 22 and beyond, what technology or what thing would you, would you, would you say is going to be the, um, the hottest or the next trendiest thing that's going out in the market? Uh, Randy, how about you? Let's, Let's hear from you first, since since, yeah. since David always jumps in first. <laughs> we see a lot. I, I hear a lot more, a lot of customers wanting to do something with their data, but they're not really sure what to do with it yet. And there's a lot of analytics companies that are popping up, and customers are are starting to figure out how try to figure out how to create data lakes. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot a lot of focus on um, analytics of of data, of, of the log files, the trace files, and things like that, so that customers can use that those analytics to get an edge to help them run their business. So I think they're going to use the data that they have a lot more intelligently, and they've got to figure out how to get that data and put that data in, in locations that they can have access to it and that the applications can have access to it. All right. That- so basically, AI, I'm talking about artificial AI. AI. Yeah. AI. Yeah, a lot more AI. Yeah. Cool. David? All right, all right. I got, uh, that was that answer was too short. Didn't give me enough time to think about this. Thank you. Right, uh, so uh, for our gumbo listeners out there, uh, my predictions. Okay, remember I started off the whole the whole podcast saying I'm not good at predictions. If I was, I'd be down at the casino. Um, but uh, I'm yeah. gonna <laughs> here's, here's here's I am going to qualify the statement with um, 
uh, our friend at uh, AWS, Andy Jassy, the CEO over there. Every time he makes prediction, he uses he 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 uses the phrase, "In the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, we will see something." Right. So that way, you know, that way you 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 you, 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 you can never you can never be wrong. So in the fullness of time, I think by the end of twenty twenty one, into twenty twenty two, we're going to see a lot more happening with with uh, edge platforms, five um, G enabled devices, little raspberries out there environmental sensors, drone technology or autonomous vehicle te- vehicle technology that have 5G connections that are sending data to edge devices that do the collection, the compute, and some edge storage for those things. I think that uh, we'll see the beginning stages of that, what I kind of see is like a, a IoT environmental space. You know, folks will be putting, uh, you know, uh, conservation agencies will be putting uh, solar-powered uh, sensor collectors out into the swamplands to measure pollution and water levels and sending that information, you know, back via 5G to some collector someplace. So we're going to see a lot of uh, small devices at the edge collecting data, sending them back to, as Randy said, to a data lake where they can sit and then analyt- analytics can be run on that. That, that, that's, I, so I see an increase in, in 5G, increase of uh, IoT at the edge and uh, data lakes uh, you, in the fullness of time. All right. So uh, there we go. That's my prediction. There's <laughs> <laughs> a reason why he's been the CEO for uh, 20 years over there. Uh, absolutely. And so I guess the, the silver lining of, of what I see across both of your answers and your perspectives is that, you know, it, it's a data-driven world that we're living in now. Uh, everyone hates when they hear digital transformation, but I, I'm sorry to tell everyone we are in it. It's happening. Whether you like it or not, if your company or organization does not have a like a fully digitized uh, way of uh, biz- like a business model, right, then you, you're going to be left behind. So uh, I guess before I close out the show, how would you like individuals to reach out to you or maybe find more information on your companies uh let's start with you randy uh twitter twitter handle or linkedin information whatever whatever the case may be you you can share that now yeah i'm probably easiest found on linkedin and that'll uh, if you click on linkedin send me a message that goes right into my inbox um it might again randy hopkins um is my name at at comprise so if you look for randy hopkins um, at comprise you'll You'll find me. Uh, please reach out to me. I, I will. I will guide you to what, what the right person that you need to talk to at Comprise. If I can't help you, um, and that's how. That's how. That's the, the best place to start. All right, David. I agree. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to to find me as well. It's David Boland. If you do David Boland Wasabi in the search bar, you're going to find me. Um, and so, yeah, that's the one I check most often, and uh, that's easiest for me to get back to people at. Um, send me any questions, information, or, or anything you need to know at David Bond uh, on my LinkedIn thing, and I'll help you out. And hey, anybody out there who's interested in at least uh, you know signing up for a free trial of uh, cloud storage for for giggles, do it up. You're gonna go to our website, click on the free trial. We'll send you the login information, and you you can set up your your bucket uh, for a terabyte for a month. You don't have to put any credit card information down. You're not autom- automatically enrolled. You'll get an email towards the end of the 30 days that says, hey, it's trial's almost up. Just give me a heads up. And if you want to convert to a paid account, great. If not, come back some other time. So free trial at uh, on cloud storage. Hey, and for those guys out there in the data protection world who are trying to figure out, hey, how do I you know, start to work with the cloud? 
Use the free trials you find everywhere. Come to Wasabi, set up a free trial, play with that, learn how to set up buckets and and uh, security keys and all that information. Can I, can I get a free trial? Yeah, you can. Actually, people compromise. I think they uh, get uh, <laughs> get a free trial. We've got uh, sandboxed in perpetuity for uh, comprise SEs. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So if you want to link up with uh, either Randy or David, you can find them on LinkedIn. Um, I think that's how I found both of these gentlemen. So they, they are open networkers uh, to an extent. You, you could just mention Data Protection Gumbo, and I'm sure they will accept your your invitation to connect. Uh, and if not, just let me know that they, they did not comply. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> if you mention Data Protection Gumbo, I promise. And I, I'll I, will, I will threaten to not publish this podcast episode. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's going to go out anyway. So uh, thank you, Randy. Thank you, David, so much for taking time out of your day. I truly enjoyed the conversation. And uh, until next time, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.